Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual, professional, medical, or mental health advice. Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Corinne Safeli. I'm a health coach. I help humans heal their relationship with food and their body and literally transform their mother and life because that's what it's about. It's about creating an amazing life that you love and getting all of the food stuff out of the way. Today, we have a really incredible interview. Really incredible. And it's long. I was listening to it and I was like, there's nothing to edit out. Like there's nothing to edit out. Every word of it is beautiful and important and needs to be in here. So it is lengthy and it's unique. It's slightly different than some of the other interviews that I've had on the pod. And I'm really excited about that because we talk about some unique topics. And Ashley is a dear friend of mine. You'll hear our story, how we met in the interview, so I will save that. But we talk about her story, her upbringing, the trauma that she's gone through. I want to give a trigger warning for anyone who um, is sensitive to conversations around sexual abuse and childhood sexual abuse because her story includes a lot of that. So trigger warning, use your best judgment. I don't make it through her telling her story without crying, which you will hear. It's an incredible story. We talk about the impact that that abuse has had on her body image and what it was like for her to repair her relationship with herself and how she really struggled to see her body as a temple and the journey to her actually getting to a place where she does respect herself and she does respect her body because for the longest time, her body wasn't a safe a safe place. And we then talk about the importance of caring about what's on the inside and our own definitions of beautiful. And we talk about something that she she dropped a like mind-blown bomb on me when we were back in Peru together and she talks about that. And then we kind of wrap up the conversation talking about uh, her as a mom trying to raise intuitive eaters and she has a daughter who's starting to feel the impact of living in diet culture and pressures around weight and we talk about that and how she's navigating that and then at the very end you get to hear an opportunity to work with Ashley because I do feel like some of you are going to really connect to her and her story and you're going to be drawn to her and the work that she does so at the end you can hear about an opportunity around that without further ado let's get into the interview I'm so excited about this one guys Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Crinzofelli. Today, ooh, today we have such an amazing fucking guest with us. I love all my guests, and this girl is a queen. Her name is Ashley Rose. She's a transformational life coach who works with women who have experienced trauma. She specializes in shadow work, helping people to find true balance by accepting all parts of themselves, therefore clearing the space needed to create the lives they've always dreamed of and help them take action. She has done immersive shadow work, sat in medicine circle, and uses her intuition to guide you through the darkest parts of yourself and into true inner discovery of your own divine light. Heck yes, Ashley Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. That was 
Oh, I just love your energy. Ooh, I always I'm... love being with you. Hmm, I know. Okay, so let's just dive into, or maybe we should give people a little bit of background about how we met. Yeah. Okay, so y'all have likely, possibly, maybe, on the podcast heard me talk about Brandilyn Tebow. I believe uh, the episode that she's interviewed on is episode 14. It's amazing. Go check it out. It's called The Antidote to Self-Consciousness. And she was both of our life coaches, correct? Mm -hmm. Right? And we both went to one of her retreats. Not the same retreat. Brandilyn hosts these things called the shift retreats. I went to one and Ashley went to a different one. Mm -hmm. And then Brandilyn created this 10-month-long incubator space for women. And I talk about that on episode five of the Love Your Bod Pod. I actually talk about this 10-month container. It was called Root and Rise. Mm -hmm, Which I admire. Mm-hmm. With Jane. With Jane yeah. Meyer, yes. Jane needs to be on the podcast as well. And I was the chef for mm-hmm. the retreat, and I also got to participate. And then Ashley was a participant. So we actually met in that 10 month long container. So we spent like a year together. Mm-hmm. And it feels like longer. Like I always tell you, you always remind me. You you always remind me, like, girl, we just met. We met like a year ago. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no way. It's been like three. Yeah. <laughs> it really feels like we've known each other so, mm. so much longer. Well, that's what happens when you go into a safe space like this mm. and you're and you're vulnerable and you mm-hmm. let your guard out and you let people see you. Mm-hmm. The bond, the connection is real and deep. And that's why we have this relationship where it's been just like a year, but mm-hmm. it feels like so much longer. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get into it later in the podcast, but we went to Peru um, <laughs> in November as well, and Brandilyn was with us. So Brandilyn has like become our friend now. She's our mentor and our friend. Mm-hmm. And we all went to Peru together, and we're going to talk about that. So that's how we know. We just went to New York together, <laughs> uh, which you might have saw on my Instagram stories. We've been dancing together, doing the 30-day dance challenge. We are taking over the world. (laughs) Hell yeah, girl. Hell yeah. Okay, so let's dive into the questions, and we'll just see where where this takes us. All right, let's do this. Okay. One of my favorite quotes is, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down, and it has made all of the difference in my life, and that's by Steve Jobs. So Mm -hmm. Ashley Rose, girl, connect the dots for us. What led you to become the coach that you are, helping women heal their darkness and step into their power and their light? Mm. I really love that quote because it does really like put the bigger picture together, right? Like all the puzzle pieces. And I think over the weekend in New York, I would, there was a moment where I was by myself and all the girls that we were dancing with were all around us. And I was sitting on the ledge with a drink and I was just like reflecting, looking at all the lights, all the tall buildings, like I'm in New York, right? And I thought back at a time where I was sitting in the front of my home on the porch at like three in the morning because my aunt had kicked me out of the house and I was literally in my underwear. How old were you? I think at that time I was like 15. Mm. I was older, so I was, yeah, I was a little older than when everything started. But sitting out there and then having 6.30 roll around and then we I lived in a home that had like five other houses in the back. So all my cousins and my fr- friends that lived there around the same age would walk by and like see me out there and like basically my underwear shivering knowing that I got kicked out again and I had to sleep outside so 
it was so interesting to be looking at these buildings sitting in this container of powerful women right like sitting there just knowing that we're here to do our life's purpose and wondering how if i ever would have thought that i would be here from that space yeah never yeah i knew there was something more mm-hmm. right and that was my mantra always like there's got to be more to life there has to be more for my life like i can't i'm not going to make it this way you know mm-hmm. and then have like being able to reflect on that in New York and I was just like wow wow a lot of it's making sense a lot of it's the reasons that I went through so much so that I can do this work for people and help guide other women and and young girls like I've worked with a couple of young girls that are still in those spaces and like move through all that yeah yeah so that's a beautiful quote yeah really resonates I would really love for you to like share the uh, your story so that people can really understand the the trauma that you've been through and all that you've endured and all that you've overcome so that people can like see what I see. Mm-hmm. So trigger warning. Yeah. You know, use your best judgment. But I'd really love for you to actually share some of some of the instances that you've endured that stand out to you mm-hmm. so that people can really understand what you've been through and overcome. Okay. Yeah. I'll condense it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go into more detail. You've actually inspired me. So my podcast will be coming out soon. I'll go more into detail there. But um, yeah, I was, I was born, um, my mom was t- like 25 and we lived with my grandparents and had a really good relationship with my mom. I was a very smart, you know, outgoing little girl. She let me make choices and decisions. She really saw my leadership and she really like nurtured it. Um, And then we moved out of my grandparents' home to South Almani with my aunt. And I didn't remember like things leading up to that, but my little sister was born. And then it just shifted. Like, things started to happen. My mom was a little bit more absent-minded. She was a little bit more neglective. You know, I remember um, having to be switched because my little sister was born. Oh, it's like natural things, right? Like you're the older sibling, you gotta take the floor, you gotta take the bed, the next bed, you don't get to sleep with mom anymore, all that stuff. And then things started to like happen. My mom started to get really angry. And I remember not understanding it. And like I, the hitting started. Like I would want her attention. And so I would do something. And then she would just start to like get really upset and yell and put me in a in a the bathroom. Or I wasn't able, I wasn't allowed to talk about what I was experiencing. And then as I got older and older, she started dating. And didn't have the very, a very good choice in men. Um, and there was this particular person who I knew intuitively already at that age was dark, was very, there was like no light in this person. And because I was such a loving being, I was accepting, but I, I knew something was up. And so eventually things started out as little things like wrestling, you know, wanting to take me for ice cream or being kind of nice and putting his arm around me and noticing how he was using his body when he was wrestling with my sister and things like that. And I remember telling my mom that I felt uncomfortable and 
she just didn't really didn't register you know like I know I now know that she was like like disassociating herself with it right but at the time I didn't and then slowly but surely those kinds of things started to move into like hands in my pants hands in my shirt watching me in the shower um and not really feeling like I could tell my mom because she just shrugs it off all the time so yeah there was a lot of um inappropriate touching molestation happening there with him and then because my mom worked so such long hours and I was living in a place with all these different kids we started playing house and my older older kids in the area started to like want to play daddy and so we were taking behind houses and our pants were dropped you know like all these different things and I remember one thing that stands out for me and it was the first time I can remember when I disassociated from my body was my cousin had me in a room and his friends had paid him five dollars to see my body how old were you I think I was like nine eight or nine how old was your cousin he was like 13 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. and you know a kid also a kid himself and so he held my hair in his hand and pulled it until I pulled my pants down and turned and did a little show for his friends and then and then he like threw me to the side like done you know and it's interesting because it was that cousin that I wanted so much validation from I wanted him to like me he was quarterback of the football team super popular super cool and yeah so things like that just kept happening over and over again um and then as I got older you know I started to like leave my mom a lot more eventually the boyfriend got really really aggressive and things like that and when I finally told my mom like she had found me masturbating and got really angry with me and like put me in the bathroom again that was like my fucking place I hated the bathroom and she was like what's going on and why are you doing that like is somebody touching you and I'm staring at her in disbelief like I've been telling you for so long and she's like what's going on I told you you can always tell me anything there's no secrets here and I just didn't know who I was looking at you know I didn't who is this person talking to me so I gave it another shot and I told her again like he is doing this and she heard me and she was like okay And then um, she let me go back to bed. And then I heard them arguing and I heard them fighting. And then the next day, I got up, went to school, came back, and he was there and she was there. And it was like nothing happened. And I didn't even know what to do with that. I had absolutely no clue what to do with that. So eventually, he started to get more and more abusive. I ended up getting a little sister. Um, In between this time, I was like moving from place to place with my aunt, my grandma, you know, not ever wanting to be home. And then... He came home one day, very drunk, and tried to hurt one of my cousins. And there was this big fight, and I called the cops, and they came and got him. Of course, it was so much more dramatic, you know, before, but talking about it now, it's like, yes, this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, was deported because his green card expired. And so we were super happy, me and my sister. We were super happy. I got a job. I was like 12 years old. I got a job selling things on the street with this like boys and girls club program or whatever. Would help my mom pay for whatever we needed. 
And I was just like, yes, we're going to do this. We're, we're so good now, you know? Um, and then one morning I, I wake up and I'm like with my sister in our room and she's like, mom's doing something in the kitchen. So I, I walk out to the kitchen and my mom is like putting things in boxes. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm moving. And I'm like, where are we going? She's like, I'm moving to Mexico. You and your sister need to find a place to live. How old were you? I was 11, 12. Mm-hmm. I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. And I had an aunt that was my favorite aunt, Sandra. Love her, loved her, loved her, loved her. And I let her take my sister. And my aunt Becky moved into my house. And so I stayed in my house. And I gave, you know, my cousins took my room. And I took the couch. And that was just my life for a little while until my mom came back. I was having trouble in school. I was getting bullied a lot. Um, and was threatened by one girl with a knife. And so my mom finally, you know, came to visit. And I told her what was going on. And she's like, okay, you're coming with me. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm in my like eighth grade year. Like I'm about to graduate, you know? And she's like, no, you're coming with me. So we moved to TJ. To Tijuana. Tijuana. Okay. And there he is. Oh shit. Yeah. There he is. Wow. And everything is settled the first night. The next day we go to the store and he comes into my ear and he asks me, he's like, did you, did you miss me? Did you feel me last night? And I'm just like, oh my God. I didn't even know what to think. So that started happening. Eventually, we went to go get my other sister for my Aunt Sandra. So she's with us now. I'm working at a swap meet in TJ. I'm like this little 13-year-old girl getting on a car with all these men and adults by myself, going to TJ, working, learning Spanish, selling watches, you know, doing my thing. And um, one day, me and my sister see her boyfriend getting out of a house with another woman. So we go running to tell my mom, we're just like, this is it. Like, this is it. He's cheating. We're out. We're good. And we, you know, we, we tell my mom, and there's this huge fight, and she starts packing everything. And my little sister, Brianna, is just like, yes, we're going to leave, you know. And we look at our little baby sister, Celeste, and we're like, yes, we're going to get out of here. And so the next morning, I go to work because I know better. <laughs> you know, I know better. I take Brianna with me. After work, we're coming back. And as we're getting to the house, they're driving in in a truck together, laughing. And the look on my sister's face was it for me. I looked at Brianna and she just had this look of defeat, like no hope. So I go inside and I, I, I went off on my mom. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't just your life. Like, we're, we're here. Do you not care about us? Like, he's cheating. I wasn't even talking about the molestation, like, all of that, because I knew it wasn't getting me anywhere, you know? But, like, he's cheating on you. What are you doing? Like, he doesn't really love you. As if, like, hurting the, your kids wasn't enough. Here this is. And she's just like, you know what? You need to shut up. This is my life. This is blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you're such a bitch. And I, it was the first time in my life I looked at my mom and I was like, you're a bitch. And I ran for my life and I could hear her chasing me and um, she throws me on the bed. And this is where, this is where my life changed. She throws me on the bed. She climbs up on my body. The next thing I know, my hands are lifted. She has both my hands in her hands and her foot's on my throat and she's choking me. And I remember not being afraid at all. I was just like, of course, 
course this is happening. And she's just like telling me to die. Like, I never wanted you to just die. Please just die. And I'm like, okay. You know, if, if you don't want me, if, if my own mom doesn't want me, I'll die. And I had my first out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. I can feel myself slipping, and it was so peaceful. It was the most peace I've felt in so long. And I, like, sit up out of my body, and I see my sister's. I see Brianna screaming on the left of me. And she's like, get off my sister. Please get off my sister. My baby sister, who's like two and a half or three years old, falls to the floor. She like collapses on the floor. And I remember thinking like, no, you can't go. You can't go. You're needed. This is all going to be for something. I promise you, you can't go. Don't go yet. And then this shadow comes from the left. And then I just pass out. I realized later that it was him that took her off of me. He pulled her off of me. And then I wake up in my room. My mom walks in with a spoon. And she's like, take this. And I swear to you, Kara, I was like, it's poison. You know? Mm. And I look up at her. And I remember thinking, like, I love you. And I want you to be happy. So I took it. Mm. Believing that it was poison. It was lemon and honey. Like, she felt horrible. And she was trying to help me with pain in my throat and I laid back down and then when she left I went and got when I realized it wasn't poison I wasn't dying I went and got what I had in the room which was like the scotch tape and I was like let me help her and I started to cut my wrist with the edge of it and then something just came in something came in and was like I remembered my sister's faces and I was like no you're going to leave, you're going to get out, you're going to get a home, and you're going to take Brianna and Celeste, and you're going to raise them, and you're going to fucking survive. Like, you're going to get them away from her. Because if you're gone, sorry, if you're gone, then there's no one to help them. And so when we came back to California, I, I found my Aunt Sandra. Brianna was staying with her. The school year was going to start again. And my aunt hid me in her car. She's like, I can't have you live with me, but I'll, I'll you know, hide like your mom's gonna leave tomorrow and you'll be free you won't have to go and that's when I made the decision like I'm gonna have to leave my sisters for a while to be able to do this and so I slept in her car overnight and I heard my mom knocking on her door in the morning she was pissed and she was like is Ashley in there and she's like no I don't I don't know where she is she was here last night I don't know where she went and um, my mom was like that bitch like I gotta get on the greyhound in like an hour she's like well fuck it and she laughed. And so from there, I was just going place to place. I stayed at my one of my best friends, Michelle. God bless her. Her family, they always took me in. Stayed at her house for a while. Went home to home. Was on the streets for a while. And then eventually, my, my mom turned out that she got pregnant that summer. So she moved in with my grandmother and took Brianna with her. And so Sandra had a place for me now. And so I went to live with Sandra. And that's a whole other story. I mean, we can go into that. With Sandra, it was a different type of abuse. You know, Sandra was also very sick from past trauma and things that she went through and ended up wanting, you know, having me um, trying to be a surrogate for her because she was having a hard time getting, keeping, holding pregnancies. And she already had like a little girl that I ended up raising. And that's why I ended up outside that day, um, that morning on the porch in my underwear was because I didn't change the baby's diaper correctly. And 
she made me sit outside. So that was a whole other other ball game um, with physical abuse too. So I mean, I can go on more, but yes, that's basically the type of trauma I endured and why I do this now. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely more to the story. I've I've heard more of the story, and it goes into all the stuff that you endured with your aunt, like you said, like all of the rape and the abuse and the beating, all of that, right? Like there's this whole other layer and we'll save that for another day or when people who are listening who connect to the story, who see themselves in their story, who want to know more about the story, you can yeah, you can reach out to Ashley. Uh, she'll have a podcast soon. At the end, we're going to talk about an opportunity where you guys can work with her if you want to. And just damn yeah. 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 Damn. <laughs> I'm getting emotional because mm-hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, how? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like knowing your history, knowing what you've gone through and, and the person you are now, <sighs> mm, you are easily one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Your heart, how hard you work, how much you love your kids, your integrity, your authenticity, your love, your compassion, your grit, your tenacity, mm-hmm. your energy. Like you have come out of literally the most horrific story I have ever heard in my whole life. Mm-hmm. My whole life. And we've all heard some shit, right? Because we've mm-hmm. been in this circle of women like working through our traumas and like yours just like, oh. And you are this bright beacon of light. You are like the lighthousiest person I know. So thank you, Kara. Yeah, fuck I'm, yeah. I'm gonna receive that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, fuck yeah. So, whew, okay, let's move on. Amazing story. You know, like amazing in like not amazing in like cool, yeah. but you got, got it. Like wow, I got you. I got okay. you. So, how has everything that you've experienced affected your body image in your relationship with your body. Because I imagine when you're going through this type of abuse, your body is in a safe space, mm-hmm. right? You disassociate from your body. You don't want to be in it. You don't want to feel it. So you be up in your mind. So how has that affected the way that you see yourself, your body image, female beauty, all of that? How has that affected you now? Mm-hmm. I'm definitely at a better space than I was before. Um, disassociation disorder on the spectrum where you like remove yourself from your body really affects the way that you're able to receive pleasure, how you interpret pleasure, and definitely like do you deserve, like do, feeling deserving of pleasure. So the masturbation was a sense of release. It was my purge. Mm. Right. So I was not even enjoying masturbating. It was more of like, a, I need this to deal. Mm. I need this release to deal. And so I would find places. I was like on couch edges. I was in the bathroom. I was at any time that I needed to, to deal with something, I would find a space to do that. Mm. And so it was abusing my own body in that way. Right. Mm. It's like me with the throwing up. Release, exactly. The release of it. Yeah. Yeah, so you get it. Mm. Yeah. To an extent, to the best of my ability. Yeah. 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 And then um, I didn't see my body as, I didn't have any respect for my body. I saw it as a welcoming mat for people to do what they wanted with. I didn't know that I could say no 
to people for a long time. Um, so I found myself putting, I want I don't want to say myself because I would check out, but putting my body in situations where other people had an opportunity to abuse me again. Right. So then there was like, um, numbing with alcohol and then waking up to two guys like touching me, doing things to me. Um, and I didn't know how to respect myself or know that I could, that this was a temple, right? That I deserved respect and honor for it. So I didn't like my body. Mm. I didn't like it. And it wasn't about like how it looked, but I didn't like it because it, it was like the, the road to doing whatever the hell you want it with me. There's a source of pain and trauma and mm-hmm. abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then getting getting touched at such a young age, it starts to like, it feels good, right? Like you start to like all these hormones start to develop and your body starts to like go through these things that you aren't ready for, but it's happening now. So my hormones started to go out of whack and I got acne at like, seven years old when the molestation started i got acne from the stress the trauma the hormones all of it so i got really bad cystic acne and so i got made fun of a lot my mom was embarrassed about my skin and so i developed a this like dysmorphia like way about my about my face and so that has stayed with me for a long time. Like I, it's, you know, I have never been, felt beautiful. I've never felt gorgeous. And it was always because of my skin. I wanted to hide. I would do bangs. I would put my hair in my face. I didn't, sometimes I wouldn't even put makeup on. I was like, what's the point? You know, um, I didn't engage in social events. I felt like I had to do things extra. I overcompensated in my friendships. I overcompensated with guys. Like I had one guy that I really cared about who helped me a lot. Um, Joe and I let him do whatever he wanted with me and my friends he was like banging all my friends and I was just like it's okay because he's so hot and I'm so not you know um yeah so I was I was really abusing my body I was really letting myself just I didn't love my temple at all yeah I mean I get it Mm -hmm. how could you right and Something that you talk about a lot, something that's been healing for you has been this idea of like, you're not beautiful and you don't have to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's been a message that like, it's taken me a little bit of time to soften up to your perspective. So can you share with us a little bit about like, what do you mean? Like, I don't need to be beautiful or I don't identify with being beautiful. Like what? Can you just dive into that? Yeah, yeah. So I love playing with words. I like to make words mean whatever I want. All you academics out there are going to be like, no, words have, they're there for a reason and they have definitions. And I'm like, yeah, well, I like to tweak them. So beautiful to me and what it represented. And that exact definition for me was society's definition of beautiful. What we in our culture, where we live, the magazines, the you know media, what they considered beautiful was a very like symmetrical face, clear skin, small body, tall, six foot, you know, beautiful teeth, blue eyes, big boobs. Yeah, exactly. Like that was beautiful. And I struggled my whole life. I'm 5'3" brown eyes, you know, acne, scarring on my skin, no boobs, you know, like I, I mean, I have them there. I fed my kids with them thing, you know, thank you, but (laughs) they weren't what was considered attractive, 
right? And so I got really fed up. Like I started to realize like I'm putting myself under this enormous social pressure to become all of these things and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I'm not beautiful and I'm okay with that. I am proud of that. I am my own definition of beautiful. And to me, that is being the light that is being feeling from within that I am worthy of love and that my skin, my body is here as, as my vessel to do my life's work. And I am what I consider cute, funny, loving, you know, all of those things that pe- people find attractive, that things that in other people that we find attractive because of their traits, right? What they believe in, what they, what their purpose is and how they go about treating other people. I find that beautiful. And for me, that reflects the outside. So when they, when we work, so you and I were having that conversation about, right? Like I've struggled with like, I'm going to be in sweats and a t-shirt and I'm not going to put makeup on because I don't want anyone to think that I'm dressing up for them. And I had to move past that level. That was a level. Cool. That got me to where I needed to go next, but there was another level and there's always another level. And now where I sit with is that I feel so secure in my skin and my body, and I feel so happy with who I am as a human being. And when I get up in the morning, I like to put something that I think is cute on. I like to wear the heels that I think are hot, you know, and I like to do my makeup the way I want to do my makeup. And I like when I reflect, like the outside reflects the inside. And when it doesn't all the time, because we have our down days, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And to me, that's beautiful. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've gotten to this place where you were accepting mm-hmm. of who you were. Exactly. And you were like, hey, I don't meet this external standard, the beauty ideal, the thin ideal, the model ideal, all that. I don't meet that. And so I'm going to stop pretending like I'm ever going to meet it. I'm going to mm-hmm. stop trying. And I'm actually going to learn to accept myself. And I'm going to learn to actually see that like I am my own version of beautiful and it's not just my physical exterior it's actually who I am as a person it's who I'm being mm-hmm. right it's my values my traits my personality all of that is so beautiful and as a result then it sort of transmutes to the physical realm and now you've gotten to this place where you can care about the way that you look from that place as opposed to seeking external validation seeking to meet the external mm-hmm. standard it's coming from this place of like I want to do this. This is fun. Mm -hmm. I feel good when I take care of myself this way. And like, yeah, getting dressed up is cool. Like there is a place in our lives for beauty, Mm -hmm. for makeup, for the high heels, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about where it's coming from. Exactly. Exactly. Because what is your definition of beautiful? Like what's your definition of beautiful? Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it has nothing really to do with appearance. Mm -hmm. Like very little. It's more about energy. Mm -hmm. Like when I actually think of like someone who I find beautiful, like... I think of like my boyfriend who does not meet like a, like very few of society's standards of like what a beautiful man is, right? Like he's not very tall. He's, you know, considered obese, like fuck that word, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, heavier set. He does not have like a fashion sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I worked in fashion, so I say that with a little bit of a, some expertise <laughs> lovingly. Um, he doesn't meet the soci- any of society's shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's a be- he's so beautiful to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, he is such an amazing human being. His personality, h- how he loves, like, how he treats me, how he treats others. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, he is so attractive exactly. to me. But when I first met him, I wasn't physically attracted mm-hmm. to him. I was actually, like, re- 
I was repelled by him because I was like, ugh, who is this guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. all of the, I was very superficial. I had to get over my fat phobia. Like, I've mm-hmm. really grown in that area. I've really expanded. He's been a part of my growth. And I'm able to look at him and just be like, he is, like, he his energy, mm-hmm. who he is, is beautiful. So, like, for me, like, external shit, like, yeah, that style's cool. Wow, like, that. I like the hair. Like, yes, I see that, too. You know, but like, I'm not attracted to the physical appearance of people anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to be, right? Based mm-hmm. on everything that I've shared, what you guys know about me, that external beauty was what I was drawn to, and I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I can now- appreciate it, I can notice it, but like, it doesn't have a lot of value to me. Yeah, and now your yeah. boyfriend, you see, you look at him and you see him as attractive. Like, the outer is attractive to you because it's a pure reflection yes. of what you consider beautiful. Yeah. And it's because you you internalize that. Like you discovered what your definition of beauty is. Mm-hmm. And you are beautiful from your definition of beauty. And so you can see that in others now. Mm. Yeah, like, now I find him attractive. Now I'm like, hey, you want to fuck? <laughs> yeah you know yeah <laughs> like, like you want to put your game boy down bro you know yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah whereas like before um yeah I wasn't physically attracted to him but I like got to know him mm-hmm. you know because I I'd like to think I'm not like shallow and write people off for not like <laughs> being hot it's like I got to know him and you're right and so like I it's not that we have to be beautiful by society's standards. It's not that we get to actually be beautiful people, mm-hmm. beautiful humans, beautiful mm-hmm. souls, beautiful energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the vessel becomes beautiful as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I was dating somebody and, and when he told me, he's like, you're beautiful. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, ah. And I gave him the whole spiel about like what I feel about beauty. And I was like, well, let me ask him some a question. And I'm like, what is beauty to you? Like, how do you how do you define beauty and what's beautiful to you and he was just like well your heart is just so big and you're just so funny and like you're so charismatic and like you know I'm so attracted to you and I was like cool Mm -hmm. I love being your beautiful yeah not like well you have a really great body and like a great smile beautiful because we think that we want that I think that all of you women listening men listening gender neutral all you humans listening I think that we we seek out that external validation we seek being physically beautiful because we think that it's actually going to be fulfilling and feel good Mm -hmm. and truthfully the the good feeling of someone liking the way that you look fades away Mm -hmm. it doesn't last but Mm -hmm. when someone actually thinks that you are a beautiful person that feels fucking good because that's unconditional love and admiration someone just liking the way that you look is conditional love like I love you because you're hot that's conditional love like I I love you based on the condition that I find you nice to look at like that actually doesn't feel good but that's we're so searching for that with our eating disorder by trying to lose weight by all of the plastic surgery again like no shame no judgment if those if you have gotten those things or you've done those things right like you know everyone has their own journey and story with their relationships with their body and my own personal experience mm-hmm. my own personal perspective is that like when we're adored for our external our exterior it actually doesn't feel good for very long Mm-mm. no it's like getting a hit getting yeah. a hit you'll need your hit. next hit yeah. and when they stop right because eventually the relationship is you go out of the honeymoon stage or whatever and then you get dressed up and you're ready to go and they don't say anything you're like well I guess they don't find me attractive anymore yeah yeah absolutely and it's because we're fed information of like what beauty is from the outside in right and so a lot of the work that I do with with my clients is finding out finding what you in you internally because you know we all know what 
is our truth mm. and when it comes from the inside out it just reflects back like you get it, it attracts right law of attraction you attract what you give and who you are is what you attract so yeah yeah absolutely that was a great yeah i love that you said that about your boyfriend and mm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah amazing okay let's shift gears a little bit so there's two other really amazing important topics that i want to get to first up is you know, we've, we mentioned earlier that we went to Peru together. Mm-hmm. For those of you, I haven't fully talked about this on the podcast yet because I've been like kind of afraid, but whatever, judge me <laughs> if you want. Um, we went to Peru and we sat with ayahuasca, mm-hmm. which is a secret plant medicine. Mm-hmm. We sat three ceremonies and we wanted to honor the tradition. So we went to Peru and sat with the Shipibo people, mm-hmm. people and like, you know, drank medicine in a maloca, which is the mm-hmm. tradition. It was amazing. We went with a bunch of our girlfriends, right? Like Brandolin was there. Mm-hmm. All of... Mm, so much of our sisterhood was there. And you said something to me. This was after our first night sitting medicine. And I had an incredibly emotional, emotional experience, like healing my family, my loss of family, which mm-hmm. is like a huge part of my story. And I've talked a little bit about it, but losing my family, like what I, my idea of it. And you were sharing something with me and you were sharing your story and what you've gone through. And I had this moment where I'm like, oh my God, what you've gone through is way fucking worse. Why the hell am I crying? Mm-hmm. Why am I sad about like the shit I've gone through, your trauma, holy shit. And you said something so profound. And I'd love for you to share it right now. Mm-hmm. Your response to me being like, oh my God, I should get over my shit. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if it's because of my empathic like I'm so empathic that I, from a young age, I can always feel people. Um, but it was just this inner, inner truth that I've always known that like, so you hear things about like, oh, it can always be worse, right? It can always Some, be worse. Yeah. Someone else's story is always going to be worse. And I got that. Okay. I had that mindset too. Like, what am I crying over? Right? Like I would watch the news and some girl got raped in the forest and all the buried and their mom's having to find her. Like, oh, there's so much, there's just so much. And that doesn't take away from my experience, right? So I believe, I truly believe that we all experience the worst that's ever happened to us at the same degree. Like my level of the worst that's ever happened to me is your level of the worst that's ever happened to you. It doesn't take away from any experience. It's the trauma and and your reaction and the way that your subconscious internalized, like the way we internalize trauma is the same for each person and different. So like, there's nothing that says that because you went through something worse, you're now worthy of being felt sorry for, or you're worthy of the pity, or being able to say that you get out of not having to hold yourself accountable. And like, you, I understand now why you're addicted to drugs or alcohol. You don't have an excuse. Like you're rich or whatever, yeah. right? Like, oh, you have family trauma, but at least you're rich. Yeah, but exactly. it's like, or you're, or you're really pretty, and you're tall, and you're a model, and like, what the hell do you know about suffering? Right, right. So I strongly believe that everyone is dealing with the worst they've ever dealt with, and their pain is the same. It doesn't. We don't get to take away someone's experience and say, oh, you don't get to cry about that. You don't get to be sad about that. You don't get to have to need help and need attention and take up space for that Mm -hmm. because that person over there went through so much more and something incredibly worse and no there is no worse there's just trauma and there's things that happen and there's our reaction to it and there's our internalization of of 
the story and then what we what we create it to be right and so that everyone is dealing with their own thing and just like we all have different paths our experiences are of them are the same right our experiences of what we endure deserves as much as attention as much healing as much um space that it needs for each person Mm. And it's interesting that we had that conversation in Peru because in New York, you and I had a conversation of your journey. I was like, hey, Kara, I've never really heard your story. Like, what was it like to have to be suffering from an eating disorder? And then you were sharing with me and I was in tears. I, Kara, I, to me, that's, I would say that's worse. Mm. I honestly would sit here and say that's worse. You know what I mean? But there isn't worse. There isn't worse. There just is. And and I think that's why you're able to see me so highly is because you, I reflect what needed to be done, the strength that it takes to pull yourself out of that hole, to decide that my life is worth more. I'm worth living and I'm worth this fight and I'm going to fight because I am worthy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's like, okay, what you went through was the worst pain you've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So it's your worst source of pain and trauma. And then what I went through was the worst source of pain and experience and trauma that I've ever felt. So why would we compare each other's and be like, yours is worse or mine is worse? Or you have more of a reason Mm -hmm. to be like the victim or whatever. Like you have Mm -hmm. more things to be upset about. Like your your pain is more valid than mine. That's actually bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? Because... The pain that I went through, what I went through, is actually the most intense pain I've ever gone through as a human being on planet Earth. Exactly. Right? In this lifetime. And it's the worst pain that you've gone through. And it's not fair to compare them. And it's not fair to... Because it's the worst pain I've ever known. Right. So, and I think the only reason why we think that way is because our own pain, we know how it feels already. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's our playground. Hmm. I always tell all my clients, like, when they're in an abusive relationship, they don't, they, they're struggling to get out and they don't recognize it. Like I was in a relationship with somebody who was um, narcissistic. Right. And I was like, man, this feels like if he feels like home though, like he, he's not that bad. And, and it took me in the shower. I was like, wait a minute. Home wasn't nice. Home wasn't, wasn't pleasant. Home was actually traumatic. And he's true. That's why this feels so familiar because it's our playground. We know how to play there. So when we hear someone else's story, it's the unknown. We're like, holy shit, I could have never have dealt with that. How did you deal with that? Because it's not our playground, someone else's playground Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, you know, eating disorder, you know, having to binge and wanting to binge and then purge. I know what it feels like to have to get up the next morning and go to school, regardless of like having bruises in my thighs or whatever happened the night before, right? So it's the playground, the, the water that we swim in. It's the water. Right? It's the water that we're, we swim in. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that perspective because however you're feeling, like it's not fair to then say that your pain isn't as valid or that your pain is more valid. Right. All of our pain and trauma is valid and it's all going to take something for us to rise above it and to mm-hmm. heal it. And it actually allows you to have more compassion on yourself and other people and more empathy Mm-hmm. From this perspective, I love it. It's amazing. My mind was like, boom, <laughs> whoa. Mm. Never thought of it that way. I'm so glad. Yeah, so that was amazing. Okay. Recently, just yesterday, you had this experience. Um, you have two kids, mm-hmm. and you have a daughter and a son, and you were shopping yesterday at Fry's Electronics, and you had this experience, and I want you to share us share with us what happened, and then we can kind of talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So I, we walk into the store and my daughter's like, I have to go to the restroom. 
And so um, we walk through and she, you know, she's in front of me. And so she goes into the bathroom. Usually I go with her in the stall, but I got, I, I stopped. You know, Fry's has like the Alice in Wonderland theme, like all of their structures inside. It's very Alice in Wonderland type. It's very fun. And I see this like machine. I think that's like a coin thing for a bar for like a, I don't know. And I look closer and it's like one of the old school scales. You put a quarter in there and you get to weigh yourself. Now, before New York, I probably wouldn't have really paid attention, right? It probably wouldn't have... Alarmed you. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't have even thought twice about it. Right. Yeah. Right. But this time I was just like, what the fuck? Why do I need to know my weight at an electronic store? And why is it covered in like, you guys, like... The she sent me a picture of it. She tagged it in her stories. The scale had like cartoons on it. Like yeah. it was targeted at children. Yeah, it was like Alice in Wonderland was on there. The White yeah. Rabbit was on there. It looked really fun. I was drawn to it. I thought it was to get like a little souvenir of Alice in Wonderland. So I take a picture of it. I'm like about to post it, right? I'm thinking like, fuck, Kara. Like, oh my god, I see why you're. I see why you're so passionate now, right? It is in our faces. And I turn the corner to tell my son like, don't go far. And I come back around and my daughter had come out and she's standing on this scale. Now, how old's your daughter? She's 10. She's 10. I, so you and I shared, like, I don't know what it's like to suffer from an eating disorder. Yes, I've had some social pressure around my weight and my body type. And my aunt actually one time when I was little told me once that, you know, the only thing you have going for yourself is that you're skinny. And that stayed with me. That Mm. is, you know... Yeah. yeah. So I I go up to my daughter and I like I'm just trying to stay calm and I'm like, "What are you, you know, what are you doing?" And she's like, "I want to know my weight." And I'm like, "Oh my god." She she has her own body type, right? Her um weight fluctuates, goes up and down. Um she's tall, um a little bit thicker than I am. So I've had to learn, you know, um the differences between the body sizes and like proper uh, nutrition that's gonna like feed your soul and like make you feel good and like she binges like she I'm finding things out now she's binging on like candy bars and things like that and to the point she knows that it's not a she 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 in her mind it's not okay and I don't know where she got this from probably because I'm like you can have a candy after dinner like have your sweet after dinner or. Which seems like practical, normal advice, right? right. Yeah, I think right. most moms listening, you can be like, yeah, you want them to eat their nutritious meal, right. and then they can have the dessert. Right, not because of your weight, just because, just because. Yeah. I, I grew up that, I, it's yeah. my, my grandpa used to tell me all the time, right? Yeah, I have compassion, I get that. She, I started to like, when I would clean the couch, there was like wrappers in the sofa and all of these things. So she's feeling restricted and having to hide this. Having, I'm so grateful for our friendship and then what you do like your message and what you're so passionate about and like your mission is just so fucking important. And the fact that I've gotten to be able to get this time in all of our journeys, you know, our wonderful like learning, growing experiences, but I've gotten to hear you and listen to you and, and you're so like amazing to talk to you. Like you really get my, um, like I'm very ignorant to it, right? That whole area, I'm very ignorant to it. And so you're like, mm, I hear you. And really, this is what's happening. Like this is how we're like brainwashed. And this is like, you, we need to unlearn this because of- <laughs> She works in a doctor's office. Cardiology. Cardiology, right? Her day job. 
She will, yeah. she will be a full, she's side hustle in her coaching biz. But yes, go ahead. Yeah. So in all of that, it was just so eye-opening yesterday and I was livid. I was livid. My kid does not need to know how much she weighs. At 10. Ever. You ever. don't ever need to know what you weigh. And at 10, oh my God. In a store. Like, so somebody reached out to me on my Instagram and was just like, I'm pro scale. I don't understand. I'm like, look, had we been at CVS Pharmacy, even then I would be like, ah, okay. Like they have the blood pressure cuff there so you can check your blood pressure. They don't even have a, a scale there. I wonder why, because it doesn't fucking matter. But there I would be... You have a little bit more understanding. Like it would have made a little bit more sense. Exactly. But not this like cartoonish scale. Exactly. And on the top of the scale, it said, if you weigh this, you're considered overweight. If you weigh this, you're blah, blah, blah. Nor was there anything about proper nutrition, what's better for your heart, any of that shit that I would probably understand. You know, if you want to like bring awareness and all. No, it wasn't even that. Like there's no attempt of any of that. It's just, here's your weight. Yeah. Like a slap in the face. And after hearing your story, sharing that with me in New York, I was like, holy shit, what a fucking trigger. Yeah. What a trigger. <laughs> and, I, and people p- are paying a quarter for this, to right? Weight, yeah. To me, that's like having, you know, the mood rings. Um, before there was like, there's like these machines in like arcades where you put your hand on it and it takes, it's by temperature, right? And it tells you if you're like sad or mad or happy or blah, blah, blah. It's like having something like that. And then on the top, it says, if it's purple, you're depressed. Mm. If it's this, you know, that's like telling me, re-telling me in my time when I was like going through all of my shit, I should kill myself. Mm. Even a machine's telling me that I'm fucking depressed. Right. So this machine is telling people that you weigh this much and you're overweight. Yeah. And, and over what weight, right? right? Over what weight? Right. And if you have people who are dealing with what you were dealing with, with eating disorders, body sensitive, like body shame. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So what I think here, it's that you're actually starting to witness the impacts of, you're starting to see a little bit of like emotional eating. You're starting to see her hide, right? So a mm-hmm. little, being a little bit ashamed of mm-hmm. eating the candy bars and feeling like she has that. And I know that your kids aren't always with you hundred percent of the time because you're a co-parent um, and you're, you know, she's mentioned wanting to know her weight has she, and she's mentioned, has she mentioned like her body before to you, like being bigger, yeah. like, you know? Yeah. So this school year, she has three friends that she's really close with. And one of them actually wanted to know all of their weights, mm-hmm. where she got that from. I don't know, but my daughter came home and told me, mom, do you know how much I weigh? Cause my friend wanted to know. And I'm like, what? Um, and then aside from that situation, we had a discussion around that, um, we were trying on new clothes for the new school year and I heard her crying in the, in the dressing room. And I went in there and she's like, I think I need to lose weight. And she's 10. She's 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the reason why I want to have us talk about this on the podcast is because it really gets you present to the impact of diet culture and to the impact of how commonplace it is Mm -hmm. to talk about needing to lose weight and how a 10 year old girl is already already insecure with her her body image and there are so many things and she's going to hit puberty soon right and there's so many things that children could be devoting a time and attention Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. and it's really sad that these young girls so young are devoting it to body image Mm -hmm. and to looking good and that's like how deep this is into our culture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because you aren't a dieter. You've never dieted. Mm -hmm. You don't talk about losing weight. Like, she doesn't have a mom who's dieting like I did, right? Like, you're not talking negatively about your body. Like, she's getting this from society. She's getting Mm -hmm. this from school. Yeah, good point. You know? Like, she's not getting this from you. Right. So... The question then becomes, what can you do as a mom to, to support her, to love her, to remind her that she's more than her body and that her body is okay the way that it is, right? And and the question is like, well, do I talk to her about the candy bars? Like, what are you, how are you feeling as a mom? Oh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to really steer that ship, right? So like, I'm careful about words I use. And I, I've gotten a lot of tips from you, especially on, on your, on your Facebook group page. Like, thank you for that. Mm. Um, I, I now know not to use the terms junk food and things like that. Um, I try to like use language like, um, what, which, you know, which foods are going to make our bodies feel more energized? Which fruit makes your body feel like it's awake? You know, which fruits make your body feel more relaxed? Like, what do you want to do today? You know, um, let's go swimming and get our bodies in motion because I like the adrenaline rush. Um, just different, like just changes in language like that. Um, and I'm definitely looking into like learning more. Last night she came into the kitchen and was like looking for for food and it's already bedtime, it's 9 p.m. And she's like, well, I didn't have any sweets today. And I had to catch myself, you know, I was gonna tell her like, you don't need sweets at this time in, at, at night. You don't need sugar or blah, blah, blah. Like, no, she's saying she wants it. I'm not gonna deny that part of her. And so I was just thinking like, I asked her, are you bored? And she's like, no. And I was like, okay, wait, stop there, stop, stop. Cause I don't want her to think she's only eating cause she's bored. So I was just like, Hey, let's go, let's go sit, let's go talk. And then I just sat with her and laid with her and played with her hair and told her how much I loved her and told her like, what are you excited about school tomorrow? What's, you know, are you, what are you and Chloe planning for, for this weekend or whatever? What did, did you want to have a play date and try to change the subject? Because I, because I'm not sure, completely sure yet what the language is. Or just how to navigate it. And, and like, I don't have children. I'm not an expert. Everything that I know and I share and I teach on when it comes to raising children as intuitive eaters has come from other experts. It's, you know, Dana Shao is a woman who I respect her work and I've learned a lot from her and I've learned a lot from the Beauty Redefined girls as well about mm. how to navigate raising children with uh, positive body image and mm-hmm. with food. And, and then the the one piece that is personal experience comes from not being raised in like a body positive environment right Mm -hmm. like being raised in a home where diet talk was really common Mm -hmm. all the time right so like I think that showing her love and letting her know that she is love and you know reminding her of all of her other attributes Mm -hmm. you know and of her skills and what she has to offer in her heart and her generosity and her creativity and how loving she is Mm -hmm. reminding her of all of those other qualities reminding her that that's what you see more that that's what you have more attention on more focus on Mm -hmm. right and it's I think that it's okay to say like wow you look really cute today you have good style I do think that there's a place for those comments And I really think it's important that we bring a hell of a lot more attention to all of the other things that make our children amazing. Right. Because that's why we love them. We don't love our kids because they're like cute or not. We love them because of who they are, their personalities. Right. 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 Yeah. And I had to get really, I started to pay more attention because we were talking about beautiful, what beautiful is. Right. So I start to look at what she compliments. What is she complimenting? You know, um, one of the days she told me that I looked really good in a bathing suit. And I was like, why? She's like, oh, I really like the color. And I'm like, okay, 
oh god okay thank you um Mm -hmm. but um yeah and she really is like the little life coach in her class like her teacher's always telling me so she's you know she's getting the um breath work like i'm feeling anxious i want to breathe i don't know and then you're right like I have the social pressure of the diet culture is definitely there because she is definitely swinging back and forth. And I, I just want other moms to know, like if you're a parent, dad, mom, whatever, like we don't always know what the hell we're doing. Right. Yeah. Like people always ask me, like, I don't have a college fund yet for the kids, but I have a therapist fund. Like I have a coach fund, you know what I mean? Cause at somewhere along the line, something's going to go astray and we don't always know how to navigate it. But that's why, like, I already know, that Kaylin eventually be working with you. Like this is going to be something I'm mm-hmm. going to have to invest in her, you know, because I don't know how to navigate that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay as parents not to know where to go with it. But when you're aware of it, and I'm so grateful for you opening my eyes to this because now I kind of feel a little more confident that at least I'll know when to intervene or like to how to listen to her and what I can do instead of X, Y, and Z, like insert A, B, and C. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I've been working. I've had a few clients where like their moms have come to me. Mm -hmm. I'm working with like, you know, teenagers and stuff. So yeah, it's been, um, humbling and I see myself in all of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think just actually reminding people of like their worth and their value, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I loved what you said about paying attention to how foods make you feel. Mm -hmm. That is something that they teach you in intuitive eating. And, um, I've learned a lot from the other, other women, the other experts in this area. They're like, talk about how foods make you feel. How did you feel after having that how did you feel after having this like how are you feeling and you actually bring awareness to how foods make them feel and then you let that guide their eating choices which is true intuitive eating Mm. and not like that's bad or you've had too much of that or like you know we want to we do want to be mindful of our language yeah our language is very powerful yeah um so I think you're navigating it I'm grateful to have brought in more awareness into the space because like it wouldn't it's not something that you you would ever experience so you didn't know to look for it like who knows I don't know what you would have thought finding the candy wrappers had I not had we not been friends I'm not sure what you would have thought I don't know it would have been like, like maybe they're lazy maybe they're bored. or just like you're not asking me and you're being disobedient and you're whatever grounded you know right. like, like why are you not asking me for the candy are you keeping secrets or throw your trash away why are you putting the trash in the, in the seat cushion? which is valid which is valid <laughs> but it is also and maybe that's a question of like Hey, I found these in the in the wrappers or like in the couch. Like it's all fine that you ate them. Were, did you just forget to throw them away, or were you hiding them? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Yeah, and like actually, just get curious instead of judgment judging. Instead of judging, get curious and be like, Hey, yo, I'm so okay that you had the candy bars. I'm just curious, like, why is the wrapper in the couch? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah, going good. On here? I like that. Yeah, you know, like, were you did did you just forget? Or were you, like, trying to hide them? Like, what's going on here? And I want you to know, like, it's so okay that you had the candy bars. I'm not upset. I just want to know, like, I'm just curious. Mm, I love that. Yeah, because I didn't even open conversation. I just I just kept it. I internalized it. Like, what? I, what's going on? Yeah, what's going yeah. on? So you just get curious. You don't be judgmental. Mm. And create a safe space of, like, look, like, I'm so okay that you had the candy bars. I'm just curious, like, did you forget to take it to the trash or like, you know, were you trying to hide this? Like you're mm-hmm. not in trouble. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. Perfect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, okay. Good. So we've been talking for an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> tell us about 
your upcoming retreat. So for those of you that are listening who feel called to Ashley's story, drawn to what she's gone through, if you're dealing with something or someone in your life is dealing with something, Ashley has an upcoming retreat. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, cool. Um, It's going to be this summer. And um, so what I'm putting together is a weekend retreat where we work on all these different tools that I give people to work through sitting in, working through their trauma, right? So like setting a safe, sacred space where where women can come in and be seen and see each other and support each other so that we start healing that sisterhood wound, right? Because it's really lonely. You said something on your podcast the other day. It's really lonely when you're going through this. Alone. journey alone yeah yeah um but what i wanted to do was really create something where we discover our own inner healing because we all have it and we we sometimes get on the hamster wheel of like this self-help wheel right like all the books the different retreats the seminars and that's all great and then you have information coming from outside in and it opens you up but if you don't sit in the space internally, then nothing comes through that actually sticks. Mm. So, so like, the inner work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have, like, I was going and getting all this help, and then I wasn't sitting with myself at home. So I wasn't creating a routine or a space for myself to deal with what was coming up. So I had to, I think where I got aware of that is where I was getting triggered now by these events of like, yes, I want that life. Yes, I want to do that. Oh, I get that. That makes so much sense. I do this all the time. And then what? Mm. What do I do with that? You know what I mean? So what the biggest part that I'm super excited about is that we do um, intuition work and manifestation work. So you really dig deep into what you want. What's your desire? What's your passion? And what are your blockages? And what's coming up for you, right? And then um, we do what I call routine mapping, so you really create what you want your morning to look like, what you want your night to look like, or maybe it's in the middle of the day. Um, when are you going to set time aside so that you can sit and deal with the shadow? Because it's through the shadow and through the trauma and through the wound that the light is, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes. And so that's what we guide you through. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of life mapping and then there's intuitive card readings because I have this amazing amazing gift that I'm now so grateful for it is actually fucking amazing her <laughs> in her ability to channel intuitively like I don't know where you fall on the scale of zero to woo woo but I was not very woo woo at all until meeting all of these women and I've had some like intuitive channeling work done and I'm like my mind is like <laughs> okay, I'm going to start believing this a little bit more because literally like mind-blown emoji, all mm-hmm. right, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the more that you can dig into your own because we all have it. We all have our inner intuition. We have that voice. It's like, this doesn't feel right. What mm-hmm. is this? So yeah. when you, you can trust you can trust that and self-trust. So you can build your business. You can go after, you know, manifest the love that you want. You can ask for the raise. You can, whatever it is that you're going for, you can trust your decisions and trust yourselves. And from that space, you create this life. You create this all this room to come in and be like, yeah, I know what I want. Yeah, I know what I'm passionate about. I'm taking care of myself. I got my routine. I can rock this shit now. And then we create action from that space. And then no matter what comes up, you have the tools now to deal with that shit. And you can transmute it quicker and then stay stay in that space a lot longer and keep your vibrations really high. So I think on a scale of one to woo woo, I'm probably like woo woo what what? (laughs) <laughs> you're like off the, you're off the scale I'm off the hinges off the scale. 
Yeah. So I think the thing that I'm getting from this retreat is like, if you have deep shadow, you have deep darkness, you have deep wounds, let's come, let's teach you how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Let's teach you how to sit with it. Let's teach you how to look at it as opposed to suppressing it down so that you actually can transmute it. And then you can connect deeply to your light and you're going to teach people how to manage whenever it comes up post retreat. So here are the tools, here's how you deal with it. So it doesn't own you, it doesn't spiral you downward. You're gonna have these tools so that if it comes up, when it comes up, you can kind of bounce back. Right. And then you're gonna connect them to actually what it is they care about in this world, Mm -hmm. what it is that they wanna do, whether that's call in their man, their woman, their partner, you know, transform their parenting, you know, Mm -hmm. climb the corporate ladder, start a business make peace with their family members. Like maybe you have a family member that you haven't talked to in years and you're like, wow, if I don't repair this, I'm probably, they're going to die and I'm not going to talk to them, right? Exactly, yeah. Like whatever it is, right? Whatever the shadow, whatever the trauma, come, let's heal it Mm -hmm. and step into the light. Mm -hmm. Because most importantly, you heal the relationship that you have with yourself. Yeah, 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 which that's, is big. Yes, that's, that's all of it. It's all that's worth all it for it, that. Yeah, right. Like you're, you are responsible for your life, and you are. If you take on the perspective that you are at the source of the relationships in your life, if you take on the perspective of like I am responsible for my life mm-hmm. and 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 how people treat me, like I'm at the source. You have so much power mm-hmm. from that perspective. You don't get to be the power when you're like, this is all happening to me, mm-hmm. you know? And so you allow people to heal the relationship they have with themselves. So there's the sense of worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can go to whatever seminar, anything that comes out from outside of you is all welcome because you know who you are. Yeah. You take what works for you and then you do with it what you will and you leave what doesn't, right? Yeah. So it's like really getting to know who you are. And there, you know, I'm putting together this package of being able to work with me one-on-one, have the, the readings and then have the group of women that you're, that you get to know that you create these bonds. I mean, that's how we got connected, right? Yeah. Um, it's and then, amazing. I want, I'm like, anyone who's interested in called, like come to the work, like come mm-hmm. join us, come be a part of the sisterhood. I'm inviting you from a place of like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, come experience it, please. You're going to love it, right? You're going to love it. Yeah. It's changed my life. Yeah. I'm mm. so grateful. I'm so grateful for you and all of our sisters. And yeah, we're just like, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Yeah. Like, life is exciting now. It is. Yeah. Like, for the, f- like, life has always been like cool and kind of exciting, right? Like, I feel like I've had a pretty good life, like, my whole life. I have, right? Like, I've had my shit. Y'all know that. And it's like, I just have such a new perspective, a new possibility, a new sense of joy about life. Yeah. Yeah, because when you do all the internal work and you sit with the shit, then you can invite all the fun and all of that, right? And then, like, recently I went through a breakup, which before would have thrown me on my ass for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's been, like, three weeks, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I felt it. I cried. I was sad. And I'm good. Mm. I'm good. I'm attracting what's going to come yeah. to me. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like... Get rid of, like, do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Yeah. Do the work. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I actually can actually see how I'm powerfully, I'm so much more powerful in my relationships, mm-hmm. right? Like, my relationship before Brent, I, I, I could tell he wasn't a fuck yeah to me. Like, he wasn't all in. But old Kara wouldn't have had the self-worth mm-hmm. to be like, yo, I want someone who's all in. Mm-hmm. Kara would have just taken the guy who had one step in, one step out. Like, I would have taken that treatment because I wouldn't have had the self-worth. Mm-hmm. The belief of like, look, I do love you and I do think you are amazing and I and I think I'm amazing. And I got that you're not 
a fuckyotomy, no problem. It's not a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. I just got that we're not meant for each other and I had the strength to walk away. Yeah. Whereas like I wouldn't have had the strength to do that had I not done all the work that I've done over the last like, you know, seven years or whatever it's been. I was actually able, and it was a beautiful breakup conversation. Mm-hmm. There was tears, there was love, there was respect. And he was like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm actually not all in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to leave tomorrow. Totally worth investing in ourselves, right? Yeah. Like all of the things that we've invested in, the work that we do, the sitting in our shit, it's all worth it. It it's really it. is. It's worth our life. It's worth your life. Yeah. It's worth your life and why we do what we do. Yeah. 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 So I'm really glad that you were actually able to walk away because you had a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. You were able to walk away from a relationship because he wasn't all in. Mm-hmm. And, it, and like in the past, that would have thrown you for months. You would have been devastated. Yeah. You're three weeks and you're like, love him. It hurts, and I have a standard mm-hmm. for myself. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and it doesn't take away from the guy, right? No, the guy's not amazing, at all. but he also has his standard too. Yeah. And cool. I can honor that. Yeah. Yeah, and Perfect. be at peace and be not peace. be like, amazing. Okay, Ashley. Yeah. One last question. Let's wrap this up. Advice for your 20-year-old self. You are 30, how old? I'm 33. 33. Okay, so advice for your 20-year-old self. Mm-hmm. So we were asked what our most negative self-belief was over this past weekend, right? With Kiara. And mine was, you're great, but you're not it. So my advice for my 20-year-old self is, you're great and you are it for what is meant for you. Hmm. You are it for you. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when you get that, when you really get that you are worthy because you're worthy because of who you are. And not like, it's not coming from ego. Right. No. This is coming from like love. Yeah. Like true inner knowing. Then you are more likely to go for what you want. You know that you're worthy of having what you want, what you desire, because you know that it comes from that place and you don't need external, any external validation for that. And anything that is a no to you is protection. And everything that is a yes for you will be. Mm. Done deal. Done deal. Done yeah. Deal. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Let's end on that note before I go tangenting <laughs> off. Ashley Rose, where can everybody find you, my queen? Uh, yeah. So my website's under construction right now. But uh, my Instagram is at Life, And you can DM me there. And, Spell that um, out. A-R-O-S, as in Sam, E-Y. L-I-F-E. A rosy life. Yes. Yeah, a rosy life. Because that's what you want. Yeah. We want a rosy life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Kara. Thank you so much. I see you. I honor you. I love what you're doing, and I want to be a part of it always. Yeah. Back at you, girl. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you. Oh, my God. Isn't Ashley a fucking queen? She is incredible. And I find her so inspiring, and I'm so grateful and humbled that she is one of my dear friends and be sure to follow her go follow her on instagram if you're feeling called reach out to her she's such a light worker she's such a light worker and i know you guys heard in the episode like when it comes to the woo woo stuff like i had all my guards up all of them i was like what is this shit um and i've met incredible women like ashley who is woo 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 um And I've gotten to witness some of the power that she has. And I've gotten to witness her gifts. And um, she's incredible. So if you're feeling called, reach out to her. She is amazing. I love her. 
I'm so grateful she shared so vulnerably with us. And I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I know it was a little unique. I know we talked about diet culture towards the end, but the first half was different. But I do feel like it had a lot of value and I hope that it contributed to you and that you took some little chicken McNuggets of wisdom out of this episode. Uh, Please leave a ratings and review and subscribe and share it if you did. Love you. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.